$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo, Michigan. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. In 2005, when Muje Domboya was three years old, her mother, siblings, and her aunts all came to the United States as refugees from Sierra Leone. Life there was always high alert, it was war-torn, and young girls and women were being tortured, raped, and killed, and at the opportunity of escaping that constant fear, they jumped at the chance. Once in America, Muje's family settled on close-knit homes in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and started their new life. They all lived close to one another. Her mother and aunts went straight to work, just happy to be in a safe place, and Muje went straight into public school, where she had no trouble whatsoever making friends. Muje always found a reason to be happy. A day didn't go by where there wasn't this big beaming smile across her face. She loved everything girly, pink, purple, glitter, makeup, you name it, and she was also super tidy. She would actually go over to visit her aunt's houses and just pick up a vacuum and a scrub brush and go to work. She loved making things look good and took pride in it, whether it was herself, her home, or her aunt's houses. Muje's relationships with her aunts were almost like they were her extra mothers. They talked and texted all day, and MLive even reports that she lived with one of her aunts for a time during the summer following her freshman year of high school. In September of 2017, Muje started her sophomore year of high school, and everything seemed to be going great. She was back with her friends, getting good grades, and even dating an older boy, which meant prom was on the table this year. Five months into the school year, January 24th, 2018, started like any other day. She left her house early that morning to catch one of the city buses that took her to school every day, but this time, she never made it to school. In fact, she never even made it to the bus stop. When she didn't come home that afternoon and didn't respond to her family members' texts, they called the police and reported her missing. News outlets started reporting that Muje was a runaway, but even her friends weren't buying that. Running off wasn't in her nature. She was so incredibly close with her family and checked in with them multiple times a day. But more than anything, her friends knew that she would never spend a single day away from her little brother. 
Muji's little brother was her pride and joy, and nothing made her happier than being his big sister, and nothing would ever keep her from seeing him unless it wasn't by choice. The Detroit Free Press winds up speaking to her family, who corrects these reports. They tell the outlet that she was never reported as a runaway. They never thought she was a runaway. They had reported her missing, and there's a big difference when it comes to the investigations that follow these different reports. The days following Muje's disappearance were long. Everyone hoped maybe they were wrong. Maybe she did just run away, or maybe whoever took her would let her go or bring her back, but that's not what happened. Four days after she was last seen leaving for the bus stop, a couple of college students taking a walk in the 800 block of Prairie Avenue in Kalamazoo, Michigan, spotted what they initially thought was just a pile of clothes until they looked a little closer. WNEM got a copy of that couple's 911 call, and it goes as follows. The young man calmly tells the operator, I'm calling this morning to report what I believe to be a dead body in the woods. I'm not sure. I called out to the person and they didn't respond. The operator asks, and so it's in the wooded area of it? Is it wrapped in anything? He responds, nope. Nope, like when we first saw it, it wasn't even clear. It looked like a pile of clothes laying on the ground, but then you could see her leg was bent to the left. She was laying on her back. I could see the braids in her hair. The police responded immediately, and they found a young girl matching Muje's description, wearing a black Columbia jacket, a white and pink t-shirt with Cinderella on it, jeans, and one pink Nike tennis shoe. They knew it was Muje, but they needed to be sure, and that didn't take very long. Less than 24 hours after finding her body almost 50 miles from where she was last seen, police officers pulled up to her mother's house and knocked on the door. They were hoping for good news, anything but the worst, but it was the worst. Police had to tell Muje's family that they had found their daughter, they'd found their niece, and not only was she dead, but she had been murdered. Her aunt tells M Live that as far as her family knows, Muje had absolutely no connections to Kalamazoo, and no one can think of any reason as to why she would have been there. The Wednesday following the recovery of her body, her school sent a message to all the students letting them know about Muje's death and offering counseling services to any students who felt like they might need help processing what happened to their classmate. Muje was loved, she was cherished, and the impact her murder made on her school was immeasurable. In an interesting addition, the school also tells the students that because Muje's murder is an ongoing investigation, they should refrain from discussing it unless they have actual information, and if they do, that they need to share it with the Kalamazoo Police Department. This is a high school. The students are going to talk, and maybe that's the best thing that could happen. While the school didn't want anyone to talk about the case there, her friends were more than happy to speak with the media. They wanted everyone to know the kind of person Muje was, and they wanted answers as to who did this to her and why. One of her friends told WWMT3 that she thinks Muje was kidnapped on her way to the bus, which makes sense considering the facts of the case. What she can't understand is why whoever did this chose Muje of all people. One of her aunts tells CBS News that she thinks Muje was targeted and attacked. Everyone who knew Muje seemed to be on the same page about what happened, and on February 8th, we get a little insight as to how and why that is. 
According to BuzzFeed, just months before Muje was killed, she told the police that an employee of her school district who'd been hired as part of the grounds and maintenance crew, 42-year-old Quinn James, had raped her in a parking lot right near the school. And that wasn't the first time it had happened either. Muje told authorities that Quinn James had forced himself on her multiple times, beginning in the previous summer, the summer between her freshman and sophomore years, when she was only 15. When she reported her rape, the police arrested Quinn and subsequently charged him with four counts of criminal sexual misconduct with a minor aged 13 to 15. And this wasn't his first or even second offense, so a habitual offender charge was added on as well. Quinn James was already a convicted felon at the time of Muje's rape. How in the fuck does a convicted felon get a job working for a school district? BuzzFeed reached out to the school superintendent for a comment, and I shit you not, he said that the alleged assault happened when school wasn't in session. It looks like the offense date for the criminal sexual misconduct charge was July 22nd, 2017. So sure, it was during the summer. But what the fuck does that have to do with the fact that you have a felon working on your grounds who has now been accused of assaulting at least one of your students? The school's comment to BuzzFeed continued with the fact that Quinn James's role was focused on delivering documents and that he had very little contact with students and none as part of his job responsibilities. Poor choice of words considering the charges. They also claim to have known nothing about his criminal history, which blows my mind because that's literally your job to know this. Dude had been convicted for armed robbery back in the 90s and got another weapons charge while he was in prison, and now he's working for a school district. Their request to keep the students from talking about the case makes a whole lot more sense now. Even though Quinn was arrested and charged with the rape of Muje, he was given bond and bailed himself out of jail in November of 2017, awaiting his trial. Because of that, Quinn James was a free man when Muje was abducted and murdered. Quinn James is quickly listed as a person of interest in the case and arrested on February 1st. But this arrest was in connection to a case not involving Muje. He was charged in connection with another rape, which had happened back in 2014 and held on a $500,000 bond, which he wasn't able to pay. So he stayed behind bars while police continued to investigate Muje's murder. Muje's family wasn't well off. They weren't rolling in money, they were rolling in love. But love doesn't cover funeral costs. And now not only did they have the agonizing pain of processing the murder of their sweet girl, they had the added stress of trying to figure out how they were going to afford a proper burial for her. This is when the community stepped in and stepped up. A GoFundMe was created to help them cover her funeral expenses, and they were able to raise over $14,000. 
With that, Muje was laid to rest on February 10th, 2018 at the East Avenue Christian Reform Church in East Grand Rapids. Her visitation was the day prior, which means that police held onto her body and processed it for evidence for likely more than a week. Not knowing her cause of death yet, that leaves a lot of room to speculate the amount of evidence recovered from her body. A month after her funeral, Muje's family gathered at the place her body was found and released pink and purple balloons near a memorial set up there. Fox 17 reported that it gave the family an extra sense of closure. They told the outlet, when people die, they do get buried, but my niece was not buried, she was dropped off, so this place is like a grave for us. And while it offered them some closure, it also brought on some new pain. The reality that someone drove all the way out there just to leave their sweet little daughter, their sweet little niece there to be found by any stranger walking by. They didn't have any answers at this point. They knew there was a person of interest, but that was it. That was all they had. As of March, they were still waiting for any hint of justice for Muje. But justice is a tricky word for them. Even if someone is arrested and charged with her murder, they tell Fox 17 that we might not really get justice because she's not ever going to come back. She's dead. Our family will never be the same. Friends will never be the same. The community will never be the same. Just like you've seen in the Egypt Covington case, charges are bittersweet. Finally, someone is held accountable for what they did to someone you loved, but it's an empty reminder that no matter the outcome, they still won't have a 30th birthday. You won't celebrate with them at their wedding. You're not going to babysit their future children. It's progress, but it's also pain. Fox 17's coverage of this case was beautifully done, and I'll link it in Muje's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley. One particular line of their article caught my eye. It's where they refer to the area where Muje's body was found as the place where Muje's last breath was allegedly taken. That would mean that she wasn't killed somewhere else and brought to this scene in the woods. That would mean that Muje was still alive up until that point, and the struggle that resulted in her losing that one pink Nike shoe happened somewhere else. What Muje went through would have, at the very least, happened from Grand Rapids all the way to Kalamazoo. In late March of 2018, MLive gets a look at Muje's official death certificate, and for the first time, we get a glimpse into what her last moments looked like, and they're terrifying. Her cause of death is listed as asphyxiation, including strangulation. Her cause of death isn't the only new piece of information they add to her case, though. They report that Muje was actually scheduled to testify against Quinn James in an upcoming trial that was set to take place just days before she was killed. Quinn had still yet to be charged for her murder, but now we know he was arrested for sexually assaulting her and that she was going to be testifying against him in court, but now she can't. On Wednesday, April 11th, 2018, it finally happens. Quinn James is charged with first-degree murder, kidnapping, and conspiracy in the murder of 16-year-old Muje Domboya. But Quinn James isn't the only person charged. 58-year-old Gerald Bennett was also charged with conspiracy to commit murder in connection to Muje's case. 
Fox 17 reports that Quinn James allegedly gave Gerald a vehicle in exchange for his help in disposing of Mujay's body, which they wound up leaving in the woods right by Quinn James's childhood home. The prosecution seems confident in their charges, citing that they have cell phone data and CCTV footage that ties both Gerald and Quinn to the scene of the abduction and to the location her body was found. According to WNEM, police caught Quinn on camera near North Prairie Avenue on the night that Mujay disappeared close to that childhood home of his. Mujay's lifeless body was out in the snow waiting for someone to find her for three days while her family hoped on hope that she might be returned safely. Mujay's family is elated that someone, or two someones in this case, are being held accountable for what they did to this sweet girl who wanted nothing more than to be a star someday, but they also struggle with the fact that she isn't there to celebrate this win with them. They fought alongside police so hard to make sure that there's justice for Mujay and that whoever did this to her doesn't get the chance to do it to anyone else. But again, this win is bittersweet because the person they're fighting for isn't there to celebrate it with them. Time ticks by slowly as the court process for the murder trial begins, but in the meantime, the web only gets more and more tangled. What was once just a person of interest that turned into two people charged becomes a third person and additional charges. Quinn James's fiance, dude was engaged. His 26-year-old fiance, Tierra Burnett, was charged with two counts of witness intimidation. M Live reported that she was accused of threatening, intimidating, discouraging, or attempting to discourage a trial witness from giving information, and another count of conspiring with Quinn to threaten and intimidate a witness. Can you imagine the kind of human being you have to be to intimidate a witness in an effort to get them not to testify against your fiancé after he rapes a teenager? Not only that, but Mujay's case wasn't the only rape case against Quinn. One of the witnesses she was accused of intimidating was a guy named Stefano. The prosecution said that the other witness she intimidated was dead, so clearly their concern for the safety of Stefano was more than legitimate. Tierra, just like her fiancé Quinn, was also out on bond after she was charged with perjury for lying during an investigative subpoena related to Mujay's murder back in February. According to MLive, she gave false testimony about statements made by Quinn James and or other information or knowledge she possessed regarding Quinn James and or the circumstances involving or leading up to the homicide. Frankly, I'm shocked she's not getting charged with obstruction. Quinn James may have thought that without Mujay, there would be no trial for her rape, but he was so wrong. In October of 2018, that trial began. During the trial, the defense presented recorded phone calls he made from jail where he told his mom that he'd ruined his life. MLive reports that he told her that he'd told the police the truth, that he had had sexual relations with Mujay, but that he thought she was 18 or 19. 
It turns out that Quinn met Mujay through his fiance Tierra's nephew, Dequarius, when Dequarius was living with her and Quinn. The first time Quinn James sexually assaulted Mujay, her and Dequarius, who she'd met on Facebook, had just gone out on a date to Buffalo Wild Wings and made their way back to his car. When they got inside, Quinn James opened the back door, made his way inside, and raped Mujay in front of Dequarius. Mujay was terrified and reached for Dequarius' hand as she teared up, but he said he was too scared to stop his aunt's fiance. He tried to intervene against Quinn's violence once before when he was choking Tierra, but Quinn James just turned his violence towards his fiance's nephew, choking Dequarius for trying to get Quinn to stop. Mujay continued to hang out with Dequarius despite being sexually assaulted by Quinn four times times. But in November of 2017, Dequarius couldn't just sit back and continue to watch this happen, so he called 911 and reported Quinn. Though it wasn't Mujay who made the initial call to report her rapist, she was glad that Dequarius had done it. It empowered her. M Live reports that she told her aunt, he's not going to stop. That's why I'm speaking up. She didn't want Quinn to have the opportunity to attack any other person as long as he lived. When Quinn James was interviewed by police, he told them that Mujay was at his house every day and willing to have sex with multiple men and insisted that he thought she was an adult. But Dequarius says that he explicitly told his uncle that Mujay was only 15 and too young to legally consent to sex. WWMT reports that during the pretrial phase of this, an inmate who had served time with Quinn when he was initially charged with accounts of sexual misconduct testified that Quinn told him that he'd be serving a minimum of 25 years if he was convicted and that he wanted to get rid of his accuser. Though Mujay couldn't be there at the trial to testify for herself, her police interviews and statements to her school counselor were... Quinn had tried to silence her. He had tried to keep her from seeking justice against her own attacker, and he failed. Even though he had taken her life, he could not take her fight. On August 25, 2018, Quinn James was convicted on all four counts of criminal sexual misconduct by a jury who was not even the slightest bit aware that the victim they'd brought justice to had been murdered and that the man convicted of these sexual misconduct charges was the one accused of carrying that out. The maximum penalty for those crimes would have been 15 years had Quinn not had the extensive criminal background that he did, but because he did, he was instead sentenced to 20 to 30 years in prison. His attorney had the balls to ask for leniency, saying that Quinn had grown up without adult guidance, was locked up when he was 13, and targeted by monsters, an absurdly insensitive choice of words considering this was the trial of the monster who targeted Mujay. Mujay's aunt told M Live that while the conviction is a win, that's not going to change the situation. It's not going to fix our hurt. That's not going to take away our pain. The trauma, the pain is always going to be there, but Quinn deserved what he got. 
And even though he's been sentenced in Muje's rape case, her family still has another trial to endure. The trial for her murder at the hands of the exact same man. In February of 2019, Quinn James is back in court and finally on trial for Muje's murder, and the opening statements were heartbreaking. The prosecution argues that Muje was killed in an effort to keep her from testifying against Quinn in the case of her own rape. The case that went to trial, where he was in fact convicted, even though he had killed her to try and prevent that from happening. We know that she had been found in the woods four days after being reported missing and that she was partially closed, but the prosecution adds one more detail. Her body had been soaked in bleach. After Quinn James strangled her, he poured a bottle of bleach all over her body, hoping it would get rid of any evidence leading back to him. But he failed. Parts of Muje's jeans had folded over, preventing the bleach from reaching those areas. Fox 17 reports that investigators were able to extract DNA from the folded areas of her jeans, and the results came back as a match to none other than Quinn James. Investigators were also able to pull footage from trail cameras in the woods where Muje was found. On the footage, they see a vehicle matching the one Quinn was reported to have been driving that night. When investigators got access to that vehicle, it was clear that it had been thoroughly cleaned, but not cleaned enough. They were still able to find traces of Muje's blood on the seats. Not only was she strangled, but something had happened to her prior to that point, which resulted in her blood staining the seat beneath her. On top of the DNA evidence and the CCTV footage, an FBI cell phone expert testified that both Quinn and his counterpart, Gerald Bennett's cell phones, were both at the scene of her abduction at the same time and together again at the scene where her body was recovered. One of Quinn's friends, Darren, took the stand as well and testified that Quinn had called him asking for help taking care of some business. Instead of calling the police and stopping whatever was going to happen from happening, Darren put him in touch with Gerald Bennett, the man charged with helping Quinn dispose of Muje's body. Darren testified that he later got a call from Quinn James saying, It's done. Darren was charged with lying to investigators after being questioned in March of 2018, but WWMT reports that it's possible his testimony against Quinn in this murder trial could keep him out of jail. Two weeks after the trial began and four dozen witnesses later, the jury was released for deliberations and it didn't take much time at all for them to reach a verdict. Quinn James was found guilty of the first-degree premeditated murder and the first-degree felony murder of 16-year-old Muje Damboya. He was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. The victim impact statements from Muje's family were heartbreaking, but WWMT reported on it all. This little girl was very happy. She had an infectious smile and was always full of life. Muje was looking forward to going to prom, and her aunt said she wanted to ride in a limo with her friends. She asked her, Auntie, you going to get me a limo? But instead, she got a casket. Instead, she got a hearse. That's what we just gave my niece. 
I had a hard time reading her family's victim impact statements, but James Quinn, he was there. He saw their faces. He saw their anguish. And instead of saying he was sorry or just sitting down and shutting the fuck up, this motherfucker had the audacity to say, I didn't take her away. It wasn't me. I didn't do that. Fuck off, asshole. Go back to your cell where you can spend the entire rest of your life thinking about what you did. After researching this case, I came across the group RAIN. They're the world's largest anti-sexual violence organization, and they report that 995 out of every 1,000 sexual perpetrators will walk free. Out of every 1,000 sexual assaults, it's estimated that only 230 are reported to police. Only 46 result in an arrest. Only nine get referred to prosecutors. Only five will lead to a felony conviction, and only 4.6 will be incarcerated. In their research, 20% of sexual assault victims said that their reason for not reporting their attacks were due to fear of retaliation, and that is exactly what happened to Muje. Sure, Quinn James was arrested, but what does that do when he's able to bond out? Because Quinn James was given bond after raping Muje time and time again, he was able to kidnap and kill her. Something has to change. I tried to research why Bond was created, and the most I could find was that Bond was created to cause a financial penalty for any perpetrator if they don't show up to court. But how does that help the victims? How does that keep them safe? How does that prevent them from going out and hurting someone else, let alone the person they were already accused of hurting? In the case of Muje Damboya, she stood up for herself. She stood up against her attacker. She was one of the 230 out of 1,000 sexual assault victims who report their attackers. And when she did, the system failed to protect her. For all maps and photos pertaining to this case, check out Muje's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, where you go live with me and we talk about the heartbreak that is this case. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life, for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month. All your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch. And of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you a brand new case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.